It's episode 79 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky. Joining me today, as always, are J.P. Breen and Ryan Top. How are you guys doing? I'm all right. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, it's good to be back in the studio as opposed to in remotely. Stu- in the studio. Well, it's a studio. I mean, that's it, what this place is, right? Well, it's, not, it's not just a basement playroom. <laughs> yeah, that, even that's uh, kind, I think, to say. So, J.P., how you been? We got baseball, man. Real baseball, real box scores to look at, good performances that people can uh, overreact to. It's going to be good stuff. And there were some freaking Ray. And there are some crappy performances, too, that people can react to that I think they've been like jonesing for. Oh, there's been some jonesing. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun to get into here. We can talk about some actual uh, baseball scores and stuff like that. So, um Hey, you can help fans find this podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee Steelgate on Apple Podcasts and Spot- Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> don't go to Spotify. I don't know what that takes you to. <laughs> oh, God. I can only imagine. <laughs> so go to Spotify. Uh, we want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page, which I think I'll try to make a little bit more active again. Um, cause Ryan didn't exactly pick up the slack last week when I was dying. So thanks for that. I was busy. <laughs> We're all busy. Uh, you can follow the three of us on Twitter. You'll find that in our Milwaukee's tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Our ball and glove patrons will receive the monthly minor league extra podcast, which will be coming out again soon. Yeah. Uh, not we this got- week, but we got March coming up here. Soon. Yeah, we're getting close. And we do, we'll make- just so you know, we do save some questions, especially from Patreon listeners, uh, so that they can go into the minor league podcast. So if it's something that's really just directly minor league related, we tend to save those. So, Yeah, we'll make sure that we get the minor league podcast out before March Madness season starts because, uh, A, everybody will be watching basketball and everybody includes me. And I'm not sure that I'll want to be talking about minor league stuff while March Madness is going on. Well, it starts really late this year. Did you catch that? I didn't, but I'll be far too busy screaming at my television. So there you go. It is coming eventually. Um, Milwaukee's tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English shell malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know them for the great beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. March 1st, K4 is re-releasing Tokyo Sauna, the citrusy and sugar cookie sweet pale ale. And March 8th is the release of Outer Spaced New England Imperial IPA with passion fruit and peach. Passion fruit and peach. But it's an IPA, Steve, so you don't like them. I never said that. <laughs> I just I, I enjoy I variety. Heard. I don't want to just sit there on IPAs exclusively. But this one's got 9%, 9.2% uh, alcohol by volume in it. So it's a spicy meatball. It'll, it'll get you drunk. That's what it'll do. Yeah. Uh, which, if you're sitting there watching a lot of college basketball in March, I guess you know, go for it, right? Just don't drive. You're you're sitting there watching college basketball, probably with like a pack of frozen peas on your crotch because everybody gets their uh, what's it called done? <laughs> their vasectomies. Their vasectomies. Steve. <laughs> this is really off the rails already, but yes, that is that is a thing that happens uh, that first weekend of March Madnesses. So there you go. Your painkiller is a pack of frozen peas and a an outer space New England Imperial IPA. That'll uh, help the swelling. Well, you sit there and cheer on your favorite college team. Uh, so if you need that, you have to go to the brewery for it. Um, and then you can get a big old growler of it. Because that'll look really good when you're sitting there with the peas on your crotch. You can use the growler first. And the growler, yeah. Well, then it gets kind of tepid. It's a little more. It's an IPA. Those can be served like room temperature <laughs> relatively okay. I don't know. what what What's the temperature? What would you call that temperature if you've warmed it up that way? <laughs> Notice how JP has said nothing during this entire digression. That it's is incredible. Some, it's incredible content. That is incredible some passion fruit. <laughs> I've warmed this IPA up with my passion fruit, and now it's ready to drink. So, um, anyways, uh, go to the brewery if you want that one, and don't forget you can get twenty percent off of merch at the Carbon Four Web Store with the promo code MKE Tailgate. As always, check out Carbon4.com for more information. Carbon Four. Your brilliance. 
Milwaukee's Tailgate is also sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the MixPre 3 and MixPre 6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Okay, so last week, right after we finished recording and we talked about the possibility of Mike Moustakis coming back to the team. For like the sixth consecutive week. Yes, it became, well, quasi-official. It was announced through, I don't know, Ken Rosenthal or somebody broke it first. Yeah, I think Rosenthal had it first. And then it was like, I don't know, Tuesday by the time they actually officially announced it. I think he took his physical on Monday. They announced it Tuesday, something like that. So anyways, Mike Moustakis is officially back with the Brewers at $7 million this season mm-hmm. and a guaranteed $3 million buyout or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he has a mutual option again for next year. So it's it's yeah. like $10 million. And it's very unlikely. Mutual options are almost never picked up where both teams have to have or both sides have to agree it almost never happens but you know yeah so the interesting thing about this signing that came out during the week is Mike Moustakis will be the one working extensively at second base in spring training so JP Mike Moustakis at second base seems to be a bit of a surprise yeah I think it's it's surprising considering the fact that like Shaw was the person that they moved to second base last year it's not all that surprising that he's going to be worked extensively at second base throughout spring training because they already know Shaw can handle it if needed, right? What they need to be able to do is give Moustakis ample time at second base to make sure that he can handle, you know, turns at second, he can handle all the things that he's not normally accustomed to doing. Um, and and ultimately what it signals to me is they want Moustakis to be the guy who can be the the kind of the, the infielder who moves around to a bunch of different Different bases. We t- we said that it was going to be Shaw who could start at third base, second base, and first. And basically, what it's showing is Shaw is statistically looking at the the defensive numbers is quite a good defensive third baseman. Uh, he doesn't have massive range, but he he gets the job done at above average rate at third base. And so it seems that the Brewers want to be able to keep him there when they can, and they want to be able to move Mustakas around to make him ha- as um as valuable overall as they possibly can. And obviously then that allows them to potentially kind of do a platoon with Aaron Perez at second base until here is ready. And then even when here is ready, they can still spell him against some righties if they want to make sure that, you know, his adjustment period is a little bit, uh, a little bit more drawn out. Yeah. I mean, and I think this does move the timeline on Hira back now. I, I think we're less likely to see him as early as I thought, which would have been, in May, potentially even in late April. I think this basically sets that back a while. But I still well, think there's he, a decent chance we see him this year. He needs to force his way into the lineup now. Before all winter, we were kind of talking about how Hero was going to be the guy to get the chance at second base at some point. Now it seems like if Hero wants that opportunity, he's going to have to hit so well and play defensively, show up as well mm-hmm. that they can't ignore his talent anymore. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think that's partially true. It'll it for me it will depend on how well Mustakis does make the transition to second base unless they really are then still willing to move Shaw over at second base as well. Um but the other thing that it kind of that we glossed over is that um in terms of like can Mustakis handle second base defensively? Ned Yo says he has no doubts. Yeah, I mean, Mike Moustakis was a shortstop in high school and came up through the uh, Royal system, not immediately moving to third base, mostly moving to third base because you had uh, Alcides Escobar, who was a true defensive whiz at shortstop. So he moved off of you know the middle infield as a result of that. It wasn't necessarily he needed to go to third base, you know, right away. Right, but I wasn't. I wasn't serious. I'm not sure why we should give a shit what Ned Ned Yost has to say about Mike Duck as a second base. <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm just saying like there's he is not a guy who's a stranger to the middle infield. So this is not like something completely out of the blue, and you know something that is just going to be completely well, foreign to him. It's been a while, and the guy's built more like a linebacker now, I think, than he probably had been. Sure. Yeah, I mean he's well, yeah, and, and we should. Re- 
like I just wanted to know why Brewers Twitter didn't have any like meme of Ned Ned Yost talking about Mike Mustakis with like the caption where it says you have no concept. I thought it was going to be soup pitch great because that will be on Ned's uh, tombstone here in Milwaukee. Oh, will it? I like soup pitch. Soup pitch great. Soup pitch great is the defining Ned Yost statement from his time in Milwaukee. Oh man, I really thought it was like the the Ricky Weeks is a is a run scorer. You guys have no concept. Oh, that's the you have no concept is a is a it's a good one. It's a good second soup, place. Soup pitch great is number one. Yeah, is that just because everybody hated soup that much? Like all the fans just like hated soup that much that it just like and pissed I them think off. well, I think there was people could understand giving young struggling players a chance. I think when you had a veteran like that who was getting knocked around, um, people got a little bit more frustrated and wanted to see Yost be a, a hard ass about it. Well, so. yeah, I mean, they wanted the manager to reflect their anger at the player they were angry at. And, like, it's a manager's job not to do that. So, you know, he he went a little bit far with it at times, and I think that got... But, you know, in a lot of ways, like the Ned Yost stuff, Yost takes a lot of crap for, like, all the... Uh, all the adding a Y as a nickname to the end of every player's name. You know what I mean? Like you do that Y thing on the end. And that's a joke across Major League Baseball. Every manager does that. Everybody is brawny or weeksy. Hardy? Hardy. <laughs> now, who was, I, who was I talking about? Was that Corey Hart or J.J. Hardy? That's very good, Steve. See, it could work for either. Um, anyway, so, uh, any immediate impact on the lineup or as far as what Moustakis is going to bring? I mean, yeah, he, he definitely lengthens the lineup a lot. Like you're adding another really solid bat to the lineup and another left-handed bat, which they are now really looking like a, a lineup that can kill right-handed pitchers, which considering right-handed pitchers make up two or about three quarters, between two thirds and three quarters of the pitchers in the big leagues. Except for the Cubs? Well, except for the Cubs. But it it is helpful that they're going to have that. Against left handers, though, it you know, there there's a little bit more question in there as to who's going to be playing on a daily basis. Travis Shaw has big platoon splits, so really is a guy you probably don't want in there a ton against left handed pitching if you can avoid it. And you know, you're really looking at the weight of that lineup against left-handers has to be carried by Jesus Aguilar, Ryan Braun, and uh, Lorenzo Cain, and Yelich as well. Yelich is, you know, his platoon splits are generally minimal. So, I was going to say, mean, I actually did, I did a uh, like a platoon splits thing on Baseball Prospectus, and Yelich was one of the only players that showed up on being top ten OPS versus both lefties and righties. Yeah, he is. It's pretty minimal. Now, could this be an issue where late in games, uh, teams are able to basically shut the lineup down matchup wise? So, if they don't score runs early, are we going to see some late game struggles? Or are there enough options coming off the bench that they'll be able to kind of mitigate that issue? I imagine that they'll have a lot of flexibility. I think the fact that, I mean, Grandall gives them flexibility. Um, they're still going to have Aaron M. Perez. They're still going to have. Um, my guess it's, it's hard to know, obviously, but like it, for me, it's, I'm trying to think about it in terms of what it's going to be over the course of the entire season, not what it's going to be in April, because eventually you would imagine that Hira probably Dubon will be up and somewhat helping at least on the bench, if not starting. And so you'll have an opportunity to then have, you know, Mustakis on the bench or here on the bench, you'll still have Aaron M. Perez. You might have Dubon that you can come in and do some double switches. You're still going to have a lot of flexibility within the entire organ, like the, the entire lineup to be able to do some things with it. I don't think that, I think the entire point is to be able to make sure that they can be as flexible as possible. But to your point on the rundown here, um, I do think that that I, unless they're really interested in maximizing their entire depth as much as possible and sending everyone down who can be sent down. So you don't have to get rid of anybody. This is going to be really hard for Eric Thames to make the roster in a meaningful way. Yeah. I, 
I've that was my initial reaction. We talked about that the last few weeks on here a little bit about Thames being the obvious one out. I've changed my tune on that. I think now that they have settled into this idea that Moustakis is going to play second base, I think it really makes Spangenberg the expendable one. And because he is a guy who can go down and they can call him back up. So I, to me, I think it, it really does. I think they're still going to try to keep Eric Thames on the roster because when does, when is he going to play? He's it. They're going to have to find ways to get him in the lineup and we'll see what they do with him at first base. And if they sneak him into the outfield, some, I think that's going to be the path to playing time. I guess I'm not necessarily sure why they would put him in the out. I mean, I get that you can, but like, I don't, you're not going to platoon at first base with Jesus Aguilar to give, you know, Eric Thames opportunities against, you know, every single righty that comes in because Aguilar was proved last year that he's at least a league average first baseman against both righties and lefties and has an opportunity to even be better than that, depending on how much you like his DRC plus and how much, you know, I know that you were talking a lot about, you know, his month to month splits versus first and second half splits. But I just, if you're talking about maximizing the number of people that you can have, you can absolutely do that to keep, uh, to keep Eric Thames. I think last year we saw that Eric Thames is not necessarily that productive if he doesn't play more than like once a week. And I don't know why you would say like, I'm going to put Eric Thames in left or like in right field because we've got a tough uh, righty up on uh, up and going. And you've got Ben Gamble already designed to be a good defensive outfielder who can more than hold his own against righties. Like it doesn't seem like that there's a, meaningful path to playing time in which it meaningfully makes the team better. Not that like they can't figure out a way to do it. Well, it does at least kick the decision down the road a little bit and gives them time, which is something they have liked to do is they've, they've liked to extend out their window and see what, how things play out and see what happens early in a season and who's hot and who's not. And what, what they're getting out of guys before they like firmly commit to things. Remember Eric Thames went in and had another good start to the season last year. Uh, and then got hurt, and that opened the door for Jesus Aguilar to, to come flying through. But I think that if you can get Thames to justify the spot to keeping him on there, I think if Eric Thames can get uh, a start or two a week, maybe two starts every 10 days or something at first base, and then another start or two every week in the outfield, I think it can justify it. And I think that it probably ends up being more valuable than Spangenberg because what's Spangenberg's path to playing time? Like, right. Well, I, I'm not really, I guess I understand that you're saying Spangenberg is more, you know, he's more fungible than, than Thames. And that's, and that's fine. I can take that point. I still don't necessarily see. And again, I, I, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. If they can kick a decision down the road and keep people in terms of options, they'll do it. And we've seen it again and again. I'm not questioning whether they can find a spot for him. I'm suggesting that it's probably not as worthwhile as other things that they could do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a decision that if they can wait on it, it makes sense to wait and see if... I mean, somebody may get hurt. There may be a, a well, need, not, an actual need that opens up. Gonna, I'm not saying they're going to make it now. Oh, no. I'm just saying like somebody could get hurt in the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, and somebody could, you know, they could wait three weeks and then cut him, and somebody could get hurt a week after they cut him. Sure. Like, Okay, so uh, a little bit more news. Uh, Brett Lowry will not be in camp with the Brewers this season. It yeah. seems like, uh, what was it, McAlvey had the article about it? I don't know. I guess I just uh, forgot that Brett Lowry signed, so... He signed, That's and I, th- I think there was some kind of like, oh, maybe he'll have an impact. And then when Mustaka signed, it's like, well, I have no idea where he'd played now, you know. But it looks like uh, they want to give him some time to get back into baseball shape since he's been out of the league for two seasons. Yeah, he hasn't played organized pro ball in two seasons. So, so that experiment seems to be, well, it's a long-term experiment more than they have any kind of immediate impact for him. So, uh, I mean... This- it- did they sign him to a two-year deal? No, it's a an option for twenty twenty as well. Okay, it's a team but, option. Hey, the Brewers can exercise. The Brewers have the ability to keep him for two years if it works out. 
Right. Yes. And okay. he his uh, salary this year, he's on a minor league contract, but he uh, it escalates to a million dollars if he is called up at any point during the season. So if he's in the big leagues at all this year, it goes up to a million. Which where, won't where happen. Where will we ever find that money? <laughs> so, but that's not going to happen. I mean, JP, is is there any reason to follow Brett Lowry other than just kind of fascination with old prospects? Well, I mean, he's still the the old adage of like, if you're a first round pick, you will get as many chances as, like as anyone to be able to find it because you will have people that remember what you could do. When he was um, also not just a first round pick, but he was a successful prospect and got to the big leagues with quite a bit of hype surrounding him. And then oh, yeah. it just went badly after that, though not terribly, just not great. Not he didn't live up to the expectations. Well, and I would imagine that the Brewers like have more of a reason to sign him than they were just like, Yeah, sure, why not? Like I would imagine that they've seen him work out or he's been doing something or he's been kind of uh you know working on things with hitting coaches or put on a showcase. I don't necessarily know what happened um because there hasn't been a lot of information around it, but I can't imagine that they just like you know, Brett Lowry was like, I'd really like to play again. And the Brewers were like, Yeah, sure, why not? We'll give you that chance just because. Right. So uh it'll be interesting. I don't know. I guess if somebody wants to follow that, they can, but don't look for too much news coming oh, out anytime soon on them. We're we'll, gonna follow it in the minor league podcast. You guys, yeah, you guys can obsessively follow it there. So if anybody wants to find yeah. out more about it, you can subscribe to Patreon for all your Brett Lowry news. We'll carve out some time from the uh Corey Ray uh fawning to to do a little fawning on exactly. Do you want to fawn on Corey Ray briefly here? I mean, dude hit a home run and double yesterday. On Saturday okay. on Saturday, yeah. yeah. Against got, the Cubs. I've got, I've got something to say about this because this is where I feel like I need to call out Ryan for something. And so I've been holding this in since yesterday. And so yesterday Ryan went all on Twitter and he was like, Oh my God, he even hit a double MVP, all this stuff. And you know, right. Like he's got this whole thing and he's being hyperbolic. So he can say, look, I'm joking, but still there's a kernel in him that he's really excited about this and he think it and he thinks it matters. He really does, but he's being able to say it in a joking way so he can really deflect the fact that he really is getting his heart into this one. I love Corey Ray and anything that he does makes me anything positive he does makes me happy. So. Do you love Corey Ray or do you just love the idea of a prospect that has fallen in the minds of some people but you clung to like no other like grim death and now you can like hold up if he just makes it to the major leagues, you can hold him up and say, see, I was right. Yes. That's all this is for. I it's a long term play. So you can say I was right about Corey Ray and you people gave up too early. Sure. If that's like, if that's what you want, that's that's good. Like, <laughs> I feel like we should all just like have somebody for that this year. Just like pick someone. I used to do that. I used to do that with like just like a random lower lower level minor league guy. I'm gonna just pick be like Brett this guy's Lowry. the best. Brett Brock Helgard. <laughs> okay, first of all, Brock Helgard was not a random pick, so you be careful with that. I'm talking more like Slurvin Matos. Just you just like wow. you just made more. that name up. <laughs> Slytherin. I, he still had he still had one of my favorite stories. So he was uh, he was an he was an infielder quickly. Yeah, he was an infielder for the Brewers down in the lower levels. Uh, God, well, it was probably like four or five years ago now at this point. And uh, he got called up to Helena and he like missed his flight or the flight like got into the wrong airport or something because he, you know, he did. He struggled with his English. And so I remember now he ended up like getting off too early when it was supposed to be a connected a connection flight. And he like didn't understand that he was supposed to stay on the flight. So he ended up getting off and he had to play in like three hours or like six hours or something like that. And he ended up having to some, somebody from the airport just like randomly in Montana was like, yeah, I can drive you. And so drove him for like four or five hours all the way to the game, ended up like getting out, putting on his uniform. And they told him you're playing first, first at bat hit a bomb. And so ended up like taking a picture with the dude who drove him from the airport. And there was like a, there was like a big, uh, if you can probably still find it, it's in like one of the the Montana newspapers that ended up coming out. Nice. 
That's a story for you. I've never heard that story. Everything in Montana is a, what, four to six hour drive away? Yes, it really, truly is. Okay, so actual news coming out of camp. uh, Mark Adonazio did his uh, spring or spring training press conference. His little, his speech. Everybody gathers around and he gives a speech before, you know, everything starts. And he says, the chips are all in for the Brewers this season. But there are more chips if they need them. Like that was the other part of it was like all the chips are in. I don't think. If hold on, need, hold on, hold if on. If we need more you're chips, going, we can. You're going a little too too deep on this. Uh, the way I interpreted all the chips are in means we're going for it. We want to win. It was not all of the pool of chips we literally have to pay for things are in the middle of the pile right now. Right. That's why it's funny because they're slightly contradictory in a funny way. That's. It means nothing. They have financial flexibility, and that he wanted to make sure that that was clear, but that they are also trying very, very hard to win this year. Which isn't, I mean, why wouldn't they be? They were in the NLCS last year. They were a game away from the World Series. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a big old nothing burger is what it is. But it's fun. It is fun. You know, he's a little guy and he gets to stand on a box in front of everybody and he gets to proclaim that the Brewers are good going into the season. Look, it's not as it's not as good as when Scott Boris holds court at the winter meetings, man. He he like stands on a little thing and there are just just he stands on a stack of his binders that he uses to sell his players. And he just like sits there and talks and everybody goes, Scott Boris said this really interesting thing about one of his clients. He thinks he should sign for a lot of money. And you're like, no shit. And well, and then there's uh, like really weird metaphors. Like he, he comes up with really weird and nautical metaphors. Mostly. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I was going to say, Scott Boris knows when he is uh, going to be covered. And so he, he takes a good moment to be able to get a couple of good metaphors in, but I do think what the interesting one of the interesting things with with Ad Nazio is is like it, it is a joke to say that all the chips are in, but there are more chips in reserve. But that's like that's what it is, right? Like there is still room for them to make additions if they want, and all of it is conditional. And so, if we are thinking about can the Brewers sign somebody prior to spring training, yeah, absolutely, they can. Hundred percent. Right. We the Brewers are definitely not out of money like the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> The Chicago Cubs are also not out of money. They just, uh, you know, have some racist emails they're trying to deal with. <laughs> well, they have it. They have it tied up in their new TV network, which you know, whenever a team builds their own TV network, it always goes really well. Yeah, there's no never one, been any issues. No one has had an issue with building their own TV network. I've heard stories about that. So, yep, Houston and LA definitely have great stories about it. Who else did it? I mean the the Balt- um, Baltimore's had their issues. The Baltimore DC one that they share has been a like a but, nightmare. It ended up in court this last year. Well, and that's because you had two two different organizations fighting over it, and one had a little bit more power with Baltimore owning it, right? Yeah. Because Baltimore always gets like, but the Houston, upper hand of that. Houston stuff. had issues getting carried by uh, whatever they had down there, Comcast or whatever. LA had issues getting on Spectrum. Yes. And yeah, for a long period, they weren't on their primary uh, cable coverage in their network. They weren't shown. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Cubs there. But uh, hopefully everything fails for them. I was looking at I was looking at MLB TV and like, you know, they were like, look at your blackouts. And so I put in my uh, my zip code. I'm blacked out on five different teams. Oh, people in Iowa are blacked out on like 10 different teams. It's nuts. Well, right. It's if you are in a state that actually like doesn't doesn't have a team in that state, you're basically just blacked out from like all of the teams in the surrounding states around you. Yeah, which yeah, for you, you could be. Is it really only just five? Because I would think both Chicago teams, Milwaukee, Detroit, both Ohio. Milwaukee, no, he's not Milwaukee. No, Milwaukee. I'm not blacked out. It's both Chicago teams, Detroit, Cincy, and Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, it makes yeah. That's. But when two of those are NL Central teams, that's tough. Exactly. Yeah. So um, we do have a question here from Bill uh, Walchak, and he asks, what year do you have more confidence going into, the the year 2012 or this year, 2019? So we all know what happened in 2012. Coming off 2011, which, again, the Brewers were in the NLCS. Everything was going well. They won like 97 games in the season, and they came back the next year, and it was – 
a disappointment, needless to say, because, well, primarily the bullpen was the biggest issue. Yeah, they the Brewers, the 2012 Brewers led the NL in runs scored. People don't remember that, but it yeah, that happened. And I have more confidence going in now to 2019 just because there isn't a Prince Fielder coming off the roster. You know, that was that was a and they did address it and it ended up, you know, I think things even got functionally better. Like that roster and the offense was a better offense. Corey Hart was really good at first base in 2012. Yes. And he he filled in well and Ramirez came in and was really good for basically the length of that contract and like did a really good job sort of replacing Prince's bat in the lineup in that way because Corey was still in the lineup the year before. Sure. So Yeah, they found a way to replace Fielder basically, but moving Hart, they had Ramirez. The offense was still really good. And they also had good starting pitching that year. Two twenty twelve, you know, they had good you, Randy Wolf was bad, but like they still had Gallardo and Grinky as good starting pitchers at the front of that rotation in 2012. It really was the bullpen, especially from like May to June, just gas canned that team. I mean, they every night were just coughing up a lead and that team should have been a contender. And it just it wasn't because that one aspect really failed. And it's hard to imagine something falling apart that much with this team just because of the pitching depth that they do have and well just the depth the roster depth in general that one aspect of the team could so spectacular spectacularly fail would be surprising yeah so jp words do you have more confidence in 2019 i mean it's easy to look back on 2012 and say well this is what happened this is why we should not have had confidence in it but do you look at this roster and say repeating what they did in 2018 isn't some crazy pipe dream for a fan yeah it, i mean i i definitely have more confidence going into 2019 and part of it is because of the depth but part of it is because you have so many players that actually were not key contributors last year that are going to be coming into their own in terms of you know you're going to have burns and woodruff potentially coming into their own you're going to have uh you still have one of the top prospects in baseball ready to to break in rather than 2012 you're kind of thinking of it as like the end of a cycle um, you know, with Prince Fielder leaving and like and Corey Hart getting older and all these players, you're like, God, we have to take advantage now. Otherwise, people are going to get old and going to start leaving. And like right now, it still feels and it still feels like they've got plenty of players under control during their prime, whether you're talking about Yelich, whether you're talking about Kane still being, you know, an MVP caliber guy, whether you're talking about, you know, Aguilar, even if even if he's not like, quote unquote, as real as he was last year, he's still coming into uh, a good you know, age for uh, for a first baseman, you've still got a lot of talent around, but they've still got guys coming through the system, um, which I think is something that we haven't seen in a long time in terms of like being competitive and knowing you still have young players coming through, whether it's, you know, Hira, whether it's Freddie Peralta, whether you're talking about Dubon being able to come in and be a utility infielder. Um, you know, you still just recognizing that you're not kind of trying to to maximize absolutely everything that you've got because you've got nothing in reserve. And the other thing that, you know, Ryan, I think rightly pointed out, you've got an ability to you've got a fail safe almost everywhere. Right there. There is not really a position that you would say if something goes bad here, the Brewers don't have an option. Right. Obviously, if 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 Yelich got hurt or Kane got hurt, it would be a big loss. But if Kane got hurt, you'd switch Yelich into center and you bring in uh, Ben Gamble. And yeah, he's not nearly as good. I'm not don't I'm not trying to argue that he's nearly as good. But, you know, he's he's a one and a half two win player like he can be fine. Um, and if, if Aguilar takes a step back, they've got uh, options to move Shaw over there. They've got the ability to put potentially keep Eric Thames, like Ryan said, if they end up keep keeping him second base, if Hira doesn't work, they, they have uh, Moustakis. If at shortstop, that's kind of the place that they don't have a ready-made option at short. If, if Orlando Arcia isn't able to kind of re- regain his form in 20, 2017, but there's an argument to be said that, yeah, I mean, Spangenberg can probably play there a little bit, but there's an argument to be said that Dubon is a pretty well thought of guy that can come in and defensively handle it. Or Saladino could at least be competent on some level. 
Maybe. You want to see them do the ro- rotating, like, hey, can we just keep uh, plugging in the right hot bat for the next two weeks? It yeah. just, it, man, that just reminds me of like, what I don't, what was it? Was it like 2013 or whatever when they had like Cody Ransom playing shortstop and then, you know, Edwin Masonette came in for a couple of weeks and hit that great grand slam against the Cubs, which was a lot of fun. Um, it was that was like the year that Alex Gonzalez played like first base for a little bit. Uni played first base too because Hart was hurt. Yeah, oh, was- that's right, man. It's so like once you once I still. I'm not saying that Taylor, that Tyler Saladino is the same as Uni Betancourt, but once you're talking about that man, that gets me into that it brings back memories. Dark places. Yeah. Other than other than the Masonette home run. That was uh, that was actually one of my favorite moments. Twenty was it was it twenty thirteen? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, 2013, 2014. That was still one of my favorites. Okay, so we have a question from SoCal Brew Crew fan. Uh he asks if Braun was a free agent. What would his contract look like in this market? God, I don't know. A minor league deal. I was going to say, would he get a contract in this market? I mean, I mean, yes, but Ryan Braun is an interesting one because if he was his exact player without the name and the history Ryan Braun behind it, he would do a lot better. But there's a lot of teams who just wouldn't touch him because he's a you know kind of a marginal guy now in terms of what he's going to bring on the field for you and you're going to take a PR hit basically anywhere he might go you're going to have you know some ancient angry columnist writing about how the brew or you know about how bringing in Ryan Braun is a slap in the face to the morality or whatever so you're going to have that so I think that would actually probably be the biggest hindrance is just he's Ryan Braun I don't know I mean DRC plus had him at what like about 108 the last two seasons nine yes something like that i mean what is there any kind of comp to that right now that who, who got signed this offseason no i mean that's part of the thing it's like there are no good players <laughs> being like obviously you got your manny machados and you've got your your bryce harpers and you've got all of that you don't have very many like middling like like good competent free agents i mean it was aj pollock McCutcheon yeah, this year, but those guys are a lot younger than Braun. A little bit, yeah. McCutcheon is two, three years younger than Braun. Braun's what, 36? 34? I have no idea. Um, I will, I mean, I would say I could easily see Ryan Braun, you know, signing a, a one-year $15 million deal and just like, and teams kind of just saying we'll pay you more on just a one year one year contract we're not going to try to you know go out and get get something am i overrating the pr aspect of it then you are i don't think anybody pays attention to the old baseball columnists anymore oh by the way it is 35 he was born in 84 i knew that him and fielder were both born in 84 like right like if somebody went out and let's say he signed for the dodgers and bill blaschke said you know like don't you remember this time and everything is terrible and everyone goes yeah why don't you write that stuff about people who like abuse their spouse and everyone goes and then they like all just argue about with which one is worse for a while and well then and that, of- that that sentence was too long so we know that wouldn't be a Plaschke column <laughs> dot 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 Oh, yeah, because he's a garbage writer. So um, anyway, moving on. Uh, what are the chances the crew sign another pitcher? That's from Jay Google. It At this point, you would think somebody like Keuchel would be out just because they have a payroll up over $120 million at this point. So it seems unlikely that you would add what somebody you, that big. We were talking about this before we started recording. Mm-hmm. I think it's unlikely unlikely but you think it's unlikely because the team won't want to do it not that they can't do it yeah i mean well there's also the issue of they did seem okay they were interested in marwin gonzalez but ended up taking mustakis instead of marwin gonzalez and marwin gonzalez signed a two-year 21 million dollar deal so about the same aav as what mustakis well but hold on commanded except for an extra year but but Marwan Gonzalez also has agency over deciding where he wants to go. And if they're discussing a contract with him and get the feeling like 
while we're offering about the same, but he's not going to come here, they say, well, let's move on to a guy we know we can sign. Sure. So, so I've, I've got two really quick things because I actually just want to want to bring it back to something here. Um, so number one, I, I think it's pretty clear that the Brewers did not want to sign any infielder for more than one year. They had plenty of opportunities to sign really quality players for about the same AAV, whether you're talking about Jed Lowry, whether you're talking about, you know, Daniel Murphy, they didn't want to sign somebody for more than a year. And I think that that's, that's pretty clear. Um, but if we're talking about comps for what Ryan Braun could have possibly gotten, Adam Jones still hasn't signed yet. Oh yeah, that's right. And he has been a competent big leaguer for a very long time. Mean, yeah. And I mean, obviously he's had, he's kind of like gone down a little bit, but there's an argument to say he's gotten worse because like, who cares? The Orioles are terrible and he stopped and he was not really interested. Um, but I think to answer the question about uh, whether or not they're going to sign a pitcher, it's hard to tell because you've still got guys that you could see the Brewers actually signing, whether you're talking about Dallas Keuchel, whether you're talking about Gio Gonzalez. Um, but the but the thing is, and the, and the reason I say that it's still potentially likely is the longer it goes on, the more likely it is that one of them just takes a one-year deal. Yeah, and I think Gio is by far more likely at this point just because he's going to command less is I don't get the sense that he's even necessarily has he been looking for more than a one-year deal still is that him and Boris are still out there trolling for more than a one-year deal or is he is he just waiting to like try to land on the team that's actually going to need a starter or waiting for the the standard spring training rash of injuries and some team gets desperate because oh god you know we have some guy who we have no confidence in now all of a sudden is our fourth or fifth starter. So maybe yeah, I mean, they're waiting around for that. Yeah, it certainly could be. But at some point, you also have to recognize if he, if he wants to make the opening day roster and be stretched out, he doesn't have that much time. Well, I mean, when did Kyle Loesch sign? I feel like he signed in like mid-March with the Brewers and he was ready to go pretty much right away. He was sure, working I and throwing and stretching himself out. out of, yeah, I was going to say, if they're working on the side, if they're you know throwing to college hitters and they're doing their own bit to be able to stretch themselves out i suppose there there is a shot yeah it's 2019 i mean guys can go do many different things in terms of getting stretched out and getting ready for the season so they don't have to just be in a camp with a team to do that i do like the idea that like before 2019 that wasn't an option well it's it's even it's easier and easier all the time so no, no, I get, I get what you're saying. It was just, it was, it was funny because I was like, I was like, 2019, everything changed, and now starting pitchers can stretch themselves out before spring training. It was just a funny, it was a funny thought. And like, still looking at the the free agents out there. I mean, like Craig Kimbrell. Like, so of course, uh, Jim Bowden said, you know, teams are still <laughs> teams are still complaining that Craig Kimbrell hasn't like lowered his demands, but sources on the others, I'd say he might actually sit out the entire year. And I was like, really useful stuff. Um, and I wonder where those sources are coming from. Oh, uh, I, I was joking about that, that the, the way that had to have played out was somebody in Kimbrell's camp was like, we need to get the message out that we won't just settle for whatever the best offer is that we're willing to sit out. Who can we pass this nonsense on to that'll pass it on? Does anybody have Bowden's number? Like that had to be how that went because it's nobody on earth believes that they, there's any chance that he would sit out. Now, if you're oh, Kimbrel, hold on. What, what about the idea of Kimbrel just being a, a mercenary where he sits out early in the season, Absolutely. Waits, waits for teams to shake out, and then, oh, now you can be the stud reliever that they just go and like whoever's in it can just throw gobs of cash at. Right. For a short-term like, deal. It, it, in some regard, like I was just making fun of that, you know, uh, that Jim Bowden used the term sources when you were like, you could have put agent in there and it would have been the same story. Um, and but like Craig Kimbrell, if you're if you are his agent and you're saying, you know what, every single like summer trade season or whatever you want to, you know, the, the trade deadline coming in, in July Everybody has just been going bonkers over high-end relief pitching. Everybody wants it. There have been big guys being traded for really key pieces. And in July, if you can come in and you're Kimbrel and say, you know what? All I cost is money. You can keep all your top prospects. Like that, that's that's a bargaining position to be in. Of course, we've also seen with the you know, the JT Real Mudo 
turns out teams are actually kind of like, I'd rather trade prospects than sign, you know, Yasmani Grandal for like money. Well, um, I have a question about this. Craig Kimbrell is currently uh, hampered by a qualifying offer, correct? His contract is currently subject to qualifying offer rules. Once you get past the draft, does, does that go away? I would imagine so. So, you know, that would actually somewhat make it believable that he could sit out into the season. But sit I mean, out the season is what Bowden said. Well, like, yeah, yeah, that was that was dumb. He did. That, but like, isn't that wasn't that what uh, that Mustaka said he was going to do last year? That he was going to sit out until July? There was talk of that, and then he, you know, came to his he senses. Well, he re he re-upped with the team that you know wasn't going to be affected by the the comp. Yeah, I don't know if he came to his senses. I mean, he st- he took a really low ball offer. He didn't take just a, to get re- playing, and I mean it it didn't work out. No, and it's been weirdly his career. There are there aren't many better poster boys for the current labor issues in baseball than what Mike Moustakis has been through the last couple of years. Yeah. It's really ugly on, in, in his case, particularly. Yeah. So uh, we have a Patreon question from uh, Steve Romanesco. He says, I've been enjoy following Sean Doolittle lately for all the attention he brings to issues within and outside major league baseball. Are there any other for the lack of better terms, activist players out there worth checking into and Doolittle kind of made some news this week. Uh, there's a dispute between new era and one of their factories, they want to move, and they're kind of fighting with their union. And Doolittle came out in support of the the union for New Era baseball caps. So, um, is there anybody else you guys enjoy following? Uh, any players online that have more of an activist bent? I mean, I know we've had John Perrin on uh, to do an interview, so he's a guy who 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 follows labor issues and talks about that one. Quite a bit. Particularly has said he wants to go into once he has his law degree and is done playing. He wants to go into and work for MLBPA. Like he's been specific about that. So um, I don't know. I'm thinking of interesting baseball players. He's retired now, but Brandon McCarthy would fit that bill quite a bit. Uh, Dan Heron is a pretty interesting, thoughtful uh, guy. Though it's not easier sure when much. they're retired. Well, and Heron now actually works for the Diamondbacks as their like liaison between the front office and their pitching staff, that whole thing. So I'm not sure if he's as good and interesting as he used to be but he definitely was in the past jp well i think it depends on i was gonna say it probably depends on what like the term activist is there are there are tons of players around around the league that do really wonderful uh work in the communities right like andrew mccutcheon's one of the top it has been for years he's done really great work in terms of trying to bring baseball to underprivileged communities and urban areas, trying to make sure that, you know, baseball is affordable because we've talked about it. Like in order to go to these showcases, in order to do all these things to put yourself on, on the draft, like on the radar for, for making the MLB draft, you have to shell out just thousands of dollars to make elite traveling teams, go to showcases, do all this stuff to put your, put yourself on the scouts radar. And, and Andrew McCutcheon has done a wonderful job trying to be able to, to move into that space. But I also think um, another player, if you're looking for more like the labor side, if you want to talk about activists in that way, and it's somebody who's not actually a player uh, anymore, he retired, but Garrett Brocious is probably one of the top ones that you could follow. He's he's a former minor league pitcher and now is a lawyer and has done a really nice job. I, he, he was kind of a bigger guy making the rounds probably three or four years ago. Um, and now that I think he's kind of gotten into his actual role he's not talking publicly as much but i still think he's probably a good follow on twitter uh he's done a re- he's done a lot of really a really nice stuff john perrin we had him on on the podcast he's done some nice stuff in terms of uh, uh talking about labor issues more generally but if you look across the league there are tons of players that do really great stuff with the community i think mike trout's even somebody who does really nice stuff in the community too and i just don't think he, that gets a lot of attention because a the angels aren't a huge market. I mean, they are a huge market, but you know, like I'm on the East coast. I, I don't watch a lot of teams on the West coast because it's late, you know, like, so I rem- there are not a lot of outside of like diehard baseball fans. Like the average baseball fan isn't going to stay up until one in the morning to watch, you know, the end of an angels game. So some of those guys I think can, can slip under the radar. Um, I was going to add to the, you were talking about Andrew McCutcheon 
being involved in like the RBI program, uh, MLB's initiative on reviving baseball in inner cities. Um, Adam Jones is huge into that too. And we already talked yeah, about him. Absolutely. So he's yeah. really, really good. He's also a, a very thoughtful guy and a very uh, interesting. I'm not sure if he has a Twitter account, though. Yeah, he well, he, he did at one point. I don't know if he does anymore. Uh, but Ricky Weeks actually used to do a ton with the RBI as well. Yeah, um, Weeks and Hall. They had a well, that group that came up in the mid 2000s and was kind of the revival. A lot of those guys were really involved in in the city of Milwaukee and doing a lot of that here. So obviously they, they've all since retired. Well, yeah, it was, it was a group of African-American players coming up, which in a time when that was somewhat abnormal, like there, the participation has been dropping and not only was it hall weeks and fielder, but you also had Tony Gwynn Mm -hmm. junior involved in that same, he was in that same group of people coming up. So they had that because I remember people talking about that at the time that it was, you know, it's kind of an outlier thing going on in Milwaukee. Okay. We have a question from Wesley Metcalf. Uh, how many games do you think you'll be able to get to this year? And what are your favorite things about the stadium? Ryan, you're the one who makes the most. So I'll let you take it first. Yeah. I'm, I think last year, not including playoff games, it was eh, mid twenties, maybe approaching 30. Um, we have a partial season seat package that we do and, so I get to quite a few games, uh, especially once summertime hits and the schedule gets a little bit easier. Uh, so, yeah, I probably about that number. Yeah, where I'm more like a handful because uh, I can't get to the weekday games the way I used to. So it's it's kind of like when I get the good seats from work or something like that, you know, I'll be able to go. Or when you call me on a day that works which isn't a whole it's not very often anymore yeah no i'll send you a message and it'll be like you probably can't go but if you can and occasionally and it's funny your schedule seems to loosen up a little bit when i'm not in my regular seats which are up in the fourth deck but when i have like oh like first base you know side you know it's funny how that that works (laughs) it's funny how your schedule just loosens right up when that happens funny how that works jp how many games do you think you'll get to this year i know you came with you you made your way up and we did our our uh podcast game what was that in july last year yeah i'll to be honest i'll probably only make one or two this year uh i won't be able to make too many at miller park i'll i'll go to the south bend cubs uh a bunch i'll probably go to see kane county i'll probably make it to the white Sox uh a few times i'm gonna try to make it up to comerica up in up in detroit this summer um, so I'll still make quite a few games, but in terms of at Miller Park, probably not too many unless I can get up to see my folks and 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 run over that way. But um, the summer is a little bit unsure of how it's going to look for me at the moment. But I love it. Look, I'll see when when the Timber Rattlers come to town. I almost always go see the South Bend Cubs if there's a high end like I, I went to go see them a lot when Fernando Tatis Jr. was coming through. Um, so it's it's a really nice, good little stadium. It's pretty cheap. Uh, especially for for students and uh, gives a good opportunity to see a lot of the the A-ball players and and kind of just kind of keep up to date in in what a lot of those. um, It's good to see minor league players and and keep that like perspective of what, you know, big league players look like compared to A-league players and who stands out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Favorite thing going to see a game at Miller Park, Ryan? I just being able to like go around to all the different places in the park. I I've gotten to the point where I really enjoy that going to just different sections of the park and seeing it from different angles and all that. I don't know. They've made a lot of upgrades. The food's better. They got more the craft a, beer selection craft is good. Beer selection is better, especially um, on the local end. Like you can get a lot of stuff from Wisconsin at that craft beer stand. It's good. Yeah. You know, getting up and down in the stadium isn't too bad. I'm just saying, you know, compared to some places where it can turn into a complete log jam. Yes. So, uh, yeah, traffic in and out and stuff is good. So, uh, overall, Miller Park's pretty easy. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's not like in the park what I, exactly, but one of my favorite things is always tailgating before the game. You know, get, the tailgating, get a grill out there. There's also now the shuttling, which I'm a big fan of because it allows you to be out of the parking lot and not have to deal with all that like at the end of the game or whatever, you can just hop a shuttle and be back. Especially now I have shuttles very near my house. So I can walk to the shuttle and do that and not have to get in my car at all. I don't, I don't, uh, 
I don't perhaps this is because I lived in in Chicago for a bit, but the traffic doesn't bother me whatsoever. I would much rather like be in the parking lot, uh, get the grill out, play some catch, have a have a few brats, like just sit out for a couple of hours before the game and chill and then and then head on in. It's Wisconsin. We're constantly eating brats, though, so that's not the novel part. We're just the we're just jamming those arteries with as much processed meat and everything. Look, let me tell you, the brats down here are not as good. So if I'm coming up to Wisconsin, I'm gonna have some Wisconsin brats, and I'm gonna sit out before the game, and I'm gonna play some play some catch, and then I'm gonna go in and watch a brewery. So well, I, I had the news on. I had the news on yesterday morning, and they were doing a thing at uh, the German beer hall where it was Usinger's Day. Okay, and they're like, "Yeah, Usinger's, it's the best sausage you're gonna get in the country." So that's why we do it every year or something. You know, it's mm-hmm. exactly what you'd expect. So, you know, you get some of that crisp kraut. Put that <laughs> pretzel <laughs> soft bun with the pretzel soft bun. Put that on your yeah. using your sausage. Um, I know he goes get nothing better than that on a good sunny sunny summer day using your sausage. We used to fill up a cooler with uh, bologna, 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 like ring bologna and uh, brats and take it out to my aunt who was living in Alexandria, Virginia. So we'd go out there every couple of years and spend, you know, vacation out there. And so we would always like bring her like all this processed meat because you couldn't exactly get that at the uh, Alexandria PX. So, yep, it's a uh, Wisconsin thing. But yeah, it's always good to sit out there in the uh, in the lots grilling up some sausages and and brats and stuff like that and enjoying the summer. And hopefully that starts happening soon enough because We've hit the brutal part of winter, so let's get those ball games going. I'm so done with can, this shit. Yeah, it's let's terrible. get the ball games going so we can get passes. I was good, and then yeah, just everything else hit, and I'm like, I can't take it anymore. We're ready to go. So uh, that'll do it for this week's show, and we do have a new patron we want to thank. Yeah, huge thank, thank to uh, uh, I, I assume, and I apologize, apologize if I mispronounce it. Is Nick Augustine? Uh, could be Augustine, but I would imagine just via the spelling, it's Augustine. So huge thanks to him, and um, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really nice year once we can get the the minor league stuff going. Once we have minor league podcasts to get into, um, and so it'll be a really nice opportunity for for us to continue that this year. So huge thanks to Nick for both a allowing us to do the the minor league extra each each month, but a huge thanks to allowing you know giving us an excuse to continue to do it gives us an opportunity to to you know we were able to upgrade some of the the equipment last year to try to make the podcast a little bit more pleasant to listen to and so you get to hear the real depth in steve's voice it's it's excellent for him to when he's able to really kind of get the radio voice going with good equipment it makes him happy you will not believe how happy good equipment and good acoustics make steve or conversely when it's well, bad how, how, how bad angry he gets it's it's truly a thing to behold. Like when I, I didn't have my microphone set up properly and it, it came through very echoey and bad and he, he had to take the file down and redo it. Well, I wanted to burn it. I wanted to physically put it on tape so I could burn it because you did such a poor job. Yes. Yeah, that's how that goes. So uh, yeah, hopefully uh, the rest of this sounds okay. Even if the content's marginal, at least we sound good. Um, that's our main goal. So anyways, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash MKE tailgate patrons at the ball and glove level will receive the minor league extra podcast. As always follow us on Twitter at MKE tailgate. You can submit questions to Milwaukee's tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's tailgate baseball podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google play. We're on Spotify, and all of the rest of your podcast apps, you should be able to find us on there. So uh, make sure you leave reviews because that helps people find the podcast. So thanks for listening. And again, look for us next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Four train days. Take me back, back to New Orleans. Drink more fresh water there. Moment whales, mama ever seen. Yeah.
Oh, my God.